Blog Talk Radio. to episode 21 of the Loaded Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Scott Jarvis, and with me are my co-hosts, Victor Atkinson and Michael Shepard. How are you guys doing? What's up, man? All right. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. Excited to chop it up. Good, good. Well, let's get started. There was plenty of action last night, uh, especially over on Showtime. Uh, but uh, actually, yeah, let's start with Showtime. Um the uh the the main event over on Showtime last night was uh Adrian Broner versus Jesse Vargas uh, at a catchweight uh and that was a 12 round fight uh in a, a quote unquote welterweight division um now guys i got to tell you uh this fight i thought would be just boring as hell i thought i was going it was going to be one of those where I, I you know i start nodding off and my wife tells me hey go to bed go to bed watch this in the morning kind of thing uh but it actually turned out to be a pretty entertaining scrap um were you guys surprised by this at all uh the inter- meaning the entertainment value of the fight and uh what did you think of of both the performance from both guys i was very surprised man see i thought the entire fight was going to be like the first Round basically, or maybe the first two rounds where wasn't sure. really a whole lot of action there. Vargas was just outlining with a jab, just outworking Broner, or Broner just kind of sits back and does nothing. <laughs> but that's not what happened. I mean, that's what happened in the first two rounds, obviously, but that's not what happened towards the end mm-hmm. of the fight. And I'm very surprised. I'm glad that happened, but I got yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised too. Now, uh, what did you think, Michael? I mean, were you surprised, or you know, did you have those jitters after the first two rounds, thinking, oh, we're in for a long night again? Uh, like I said last week, I thought that uh, Jesse Vargas was going to win it. I thought he would his output would just be too much for Broner. Uh, the fight mm-hmm. was kind of like split into two small fights. Uh, sure. Jesse Vargas kind of started well, kind of took the early rounds. Like everyone guessed, his output was just too high. Uh, Broner, when he threw, I think, was it 17 punches in the first round? Um, <laughs> and then Broner kind of got into it more. Uh, the thing that really surprised me is I thought uh, Kevin Cunningham, uh, obviously he was the new trainer for Broner, um, mm-hmm. I thought he did really well. I thought his uh, his talks in the round was he was kind of telling Broner the truth, you know, instead of just yeah, kind of like yeah. pandering to him. Like Broner seems like the sort of guy that just surrounds himself with people that are going to feed his feed his ego. So I thought Kuderman was great in the, in his corner. Um, I thought personally, I thought Vargas took it maybe two or three rounds. I thought it was close, but uh, you know we'll probably see it again later in the year. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, now, uh, just just in case anybody listening didn't actually get to see the fight, uh, it ended kind of in uh, somewhat controversial fashion. Uh, it ended up being a majority draw um, with uh, two two judges scoring it even and one judge scoring it for Vargas. Um, now, on my scorecard, guys, I know how you guys feel about it and how almost everyone on Twitter feel, feels about it because I took a ration of shit for it when I posted it. Uh, but I had it 119-110 for Vargas. Um, I thought Vargas Ooh. swept the entire first half of the fight. Um, now, but 
uh, as I was talking uh, to you guys just before we went on in the air, uh, conceded the fact or the notion that there was several rounds, maybe two or three, uh, that I could have given to Broner or maybe could have given to Broner or might if I go back and watch the fight a second or third time, uh, which I probably won't. Um, so the fight was probably a little bit closer than, than what I had uh, marked down. But um, I, don't, I don't see how this, anybody saw this fight as a draw or even a, a win for Broner as a few people did. I just, uh, you know, I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys, what did you guys think of the draw, first of all? Was that fair actually, or was, uh-huh? I had it. Seven five Vargas, but I'm not too mad at the draw because that's close enough. I feel like once you're like within a point of what I thought, I I don't really care that much because it's not like all right, okay. so we different on like like round by round basis. We probably different on more than one round. Or like okay, I get that round to one guy, you get that round to another guy, and that probably just like kept happening. But overall, you know, it's just like a round, one round difference. I'm like okay, whatever. It's just one round. I don't right. really care that much. Right. But seven five for Vargas is how I had it. Not too mad at the draw. I had it as a close fight. There were a few rounds, like you said, that could go either way. I'm very surprised by your card. I think yours is like way. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I just thought that Vargas, even, even as he faded in the second half of the fight, uh, I thought he still put in the better work. I thought he was landing the more accurate shots. Um, his jab was still good, even though he slowed down a lot. Um, and I thought I thought Broner's offense, while he upped his work rate, I, I saw him missing a lot, you know, uh, and I saw a lot of the shots that he did land on Vargas actually being blocked. So it was one of those for me where my eyes saw a lot of activity, but not as much as you know, not as not a lot of achievement, I guess. Um, but uh, what did you think of the the scoring, Mike? I kind of agree with Victor. When fights are close, you know, like after you've watched years and years of boxing, nothing really surprises you. Sure. Um, it's kind of just like, obviously, in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? You know, like, you watch it, and then um, it just depends on what you like, because I posted right. the uh, CompuBox uh, punch stats on Twitter, and Vargas threw, like, 300 more punches, but right. he, actually only, he actually only landed nine more. Brona landed 194 huh. punches, and Vargas only landed 203. So oh, wow. he threw a lot more, but... It, it's when you actually look at it, uh, Broner landed with 38% of his punches, and Vargas only landed 24 because he threw 300 extra. So when you look at it like that, it's kind of it's kind of surprising, and you can kind of now see why he was so close. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I can, I can, uh, I think round, what was it, seven? I think may have gone to Broner, or I could have given it to Broner. Uh, round ten, I scored even, uh, just because it was kind of a. There was a lull in that round, if I remember correctly, and I wasn't sure who to give it to. Uh, that one could have got, definitely gone to Broner. Um, so I don't have any really, you know, uh, problems with, with, you know, scores a little tighter. I, but I just don't see the draw, the fight being a draw or even a, a win for Broner. But uh, and let me ask you guys, do you want to see it again? It's probably going to happen, but uh, do we want to see it? I certainly don't. <laughs> Well, that was that was fucking easy, Victor. I certainly don't. <laughs> what about you, Michael? <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it. I, I would watch it again. Uh, Broner, as usual, you either watch him to see him get his ass beat, or you watch him because sure. you like him. So, yeah. it, there's definitely yeah. worse fights out there. We always complain about people getting fed easy fights, and that was a fifty-fifty fight. So I'd watch. I wouldn't pay to see it. I wouldn't right. want to pay per view, but I would watch it on HBO or Showtime. So. 
Right, right. Well, well, it's definitely going to be on Showtime if and when it happens again. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm of the opinion. I, I don't. I'm kind of with both of you guys on this one. Um, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. But given the fact that neither guy is going to knock the other out, you know that 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 element of danger is kind of out of that fight because neither guy is a huge puncher and, and Broner's got a good chin. So, um, I mean, it's it's an interesting scrap, I guess. You know, between two B level guys. Which is okay, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I I take it or leave it for me. It's it's not a must see, but I definitely think we'll see it again. Um, now, so, before we uh-huh, go ahead, Victor. I'll elaborate a little bit more. So the reason why I don't really care to see this fight again is because, like you said, it's like two B level guys, and I already uh-huh. saw it the first time, and I wouldn't mind seeing another fight like this. It wasn't like a great fight, but what I mean is I wouldn't mind seeing Adrian Broner versus another b-level guy or someone that's on the come up to see like sure. where they actually stand or jesse vargas versus adrian granados just to see where they both something like that is something i would prefer much more to a rematch there's other fights that i would see a lot more than them fight again because like i said it wasn't a great fight it was a good fight it was a fun fight i didn't mind watching it but it's not something i'm going to go out of my way to see again so <laughs> i'm going to take a hard pass on this rematch you know? no no uh, yeah I, I i you know i i definitely agree with you a little bit on that um I like you know I like exciting fights. I like fights where guys throw a lot of punches and they're they're willing to stand and trade, which happened. But like I said, without the power there, without that element of danger, the fight loses a lot of steam or oomph for me. So yeah, I just take it or leave it. Yeah, it's you know. not even about like the power for me. It's just like it's a pointless fight to me. You know, like all right, I saw this one time. Right, I, right. It wasn't like a robbery. If Broner won, I'd probably like, okay, they should probably do this. I probably wouldn't even feel the same way if like Broner won, honestly. I'd probably just say still I don't want to see it again. But it nothing about this makes me want to see it again. Like not right. the decision, not the controversy. There's nothing there to me to say I want to see this again. Well, yeah, well, you guys both know as, as well as all of our um, – I'm sure most of our listeners do that. I mean, it started right away once Jim Gray got in the ring. I mean, they're using the – you know the the draw you know, the majority draw is this this point of contention or controversy to sell the rematch. So, you know, moving forward, you know, as the months and the summer rolls on and ends, it's going to be you know the rematch. Like it like this is like a, you know, some some kind of important fight. You know what I mean? Or or, or has some uh, you know kind of uh, weight or gravitas to add to the sport, and it it really doesn't. Um, but I, again, I'm with Michael too on this because it, it was a decent scrap, and you know as long as long as I'll say this: as long as it's not the main event again, uh, I, I don't. As good as it, the fight was, or as exciting as it was, I don't think an Adrian Broner fight should be a main event, especially, especially a, or even a rematch with Vargas. Like, like we were saying, the two B-level guys fighting at that level. You know what I mean? And it's not a lot of power there. Not a lot of you know. There's not the storyline of this. This. There's not anything to tie it to something bigger afterwards. So. You know, uh, like I, I thought, I thought the, the Charlo fight, you know, because he's an up and coming guy and he's he's kind of exciting. He's got, you know, he's knocking guys out, you know, left and right now. Uh, I kind of feel like that should have been, you know, as a promoter putting on my promoter's cap for a second, that should have been, you know, the headliner. But you know, what yeah. do I know? So and that fight also <laughs> meant more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a the implications Shit, the of uh, Davis fight meant more. Yeah. No, no. I I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
Yeah, what what uh, what are your feelings on that, Michael? Do you think that Brown? Are you okay with with seeing Broner headline an event, or you know, do you think he should be the, like the the co-main or penultimate fight? Uh, he attracts a lot of attention. That's the thing. I think that's why he gets it. Um, yeah. And he's always in kind of fights that devastating knockouts, whether that's him winning or him losing. So, um, sure. I can understand why he gets it. Um, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan, like I said last week, but it's, mm-hmm. it's understandable. Okay. Well, let me ask. I didn't put this in the show's notes, but I wanted to throw this at you guys uh, because I j- it just popped into my mind. Um, Broner, you know, he he uh, he started back up with his shtick uh, last night after you know in the ring with Jim Gray and put on a bunch of attitude. Um, I thought when Broner used to do this years ago, it felt like it was uh, it was actually real. Like it was, you know, the guy was just being himself. Now, like last night and re- even you know. Just in the recent past, uh, when Broner starts his bullshit, you know, and starts talking and opening his mouth and, you know, doing his thing, it f- it feels almost like it's scripted. Like I'm watching wrestling on Saturday morning in, you know, 1990 all over again. Uh, what did you guys make of all that shit in the ring after the fight? You know, did you guys have a problem with it or, you know, was it funny or, or, or was it just straight up embarrassing or, or where are you guys at on all that? Uh, go ahead, Michael. I, I thought it was embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. It was embarrassing Fact. for the people who are trying to interview him. It's embarrassing to watch. Um, not something you want to let you... Especially when he made the, the comment about the Mexicans. It's just... It doesn't seem to put his brain in order before he opens his mouth, you know? Um, yeah. Just let him fight and let him walk out the ring. He's just, it's just, it's just got no sense. Yeah, but did you guys? But did you guys? Did you think it was? Uh, did you think it was was scripted, or or was that really just natural? I, I would say it's natural. You say stuff. Think he thinks. I think he thinks he's um, funny, but he's not. He's not that yeah. bright. When he says yeah. stuff, he thinks it's funny in his, in his own head. When it's not, it's, it, he's actually insulting a lot of people. So. Yeah. Well, I'm half Mexican. I did, I don't. I'm not insulted by that kind of stuff because. I mean, if somebody's stupid enough to talk like that, you know. I mean, I can't be insulted by a moron, but I th- I thought it just came off scripted. Uh, where were you? Where were you at with all that, Victor? He's a douchebag playing the heel, but I mean, he's an idiot. He's not someone yeah. that I take seriously. I did see it as embarrassing because it's Adrian Broner, <laughs> but yeah. it's whatever. It's what I expect from someone like him, you know? The Can Man. Yeah, I mean, that's where he came up doing that Can Man speech was one of the best <laughs> things he's ever done, actually. Yeah, I th- I thought the Can Man thing was hilarious, but like the shit last night when he's just being a dick to Jim Gray and you know trying to grab the mic and and you know just I mean he's, I th- I thought it's it felt and it sounded like Broner was trying to be over the top. It didn't feel like it was just you know he was he, it didn't feel like he was shooting from the hip. It just felt like I'm gonna be as offensive and as stupid and as embarrassing as I can. You know what I mean in the post fight, but. Uh, and I, I wanted to ask you guys where you were at or what you thought of that because I got a lot of mixed reactions or I saw a lot of mixed reactions on Twitter and Facebook last night um, during the post fight. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with both of you guys. I don't that stuff doesn't bother or trigger me. I don't I don't care if you insult Mexicans. I don't you know what I mean? I, I for me, it's it's not what you not what you're called, but what you answer to. And, you know, when a moron's spouting that kind of shit, it, I mean, I don't take it too seriously. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, back, back to actually Broner, 
um, I wanted to ask you guys, or the Broner-Vargas fight, um, was I the only one that saw a ton of acne on Vargas's back last night? Or do I, do I need a pair of new glasses? I can't comment on that. I have no idea. I, I just stream shit. So I didn't oh, see okay, that good okay. quality. Okay. Mike, did you happen to see it? No, that's not something I noticed. I'd have to go back and oh. look at the pictures. Yeah, it's it's it's. I don't know if either of you guys have Showtime or Showtime Anytime, um, but if you can stream it from from the Showtime app, it'll be clear as day. Um, it wasn't as bad as like Carlos Quadras, but uh, <laughs> but I saw a lot of, I saw yeah. Qua, Car, when I look at Quadras's back, it makes me want to vomit. It's just so gross. But uh, there was there was there was some noticeable back knee there, um, which I found odd because. Uh, both guys are enrolled for VADA or were enrolled uh, for VADA for this fight. Now, uh, you know, we all know that you can time your cycles properly to avoid, you know, popping for a, for a test with any, regardless of who's doing the testing. But um, I just kind of found that odd. Um, but I, I meant to ask you, Victor, if, uh, if Vargas had been using something, would, would he not have had a second wind or would he, would he have not, you know, fatigued? So not, it depends not on what you're using. Okay. Like, not okay. everything's the same. Sometimes it can actually make you worse for your stamina. That's why a lot of guys actually cycle off their uh, steroids by the time they are actually in the ring. It's not just so they don't get caught for the cycle. It's mm-hmm. also so you're, when you like put on muscle like that, your body actually ends up taking more oxygen or some shit like that. I forget like what the actual reason is. Like, it's only about the oxygen or blood flow or whatever, but it does make you fatigued a lot quicker. Oh, okay. So it actually could be that he was on some shit. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, it's interesting because I, I see, and it's kind of a paranoia thing with me now. I see somebody with acne on their back, and it's like, oh man, you know what's going on. But uh, yeah, these are athletes. Yeah. Most athletes have actually <laughs> taken some form of bad substance at some point. Right, right, right. Anything they can, I'm anything they can get their hands on. Yeah. I'm not saying like for yeah. certain Vargas is. I really have no idea. This one, I'm, I'm legitimately meaning this. I have no idea, but I mean, like, it's not impossible that he didn't. So, whatever. Right? No. Yeah. I don't know. I I I don't know enough about you know performance enhancing drugs or substances to really comment either way. I just found it interesting yeah. that he had had a lot of back knee there. Um, now I, I want to move it on. Like uh huh. His performance itself didn't seem like a guy that was actually doing anything because he didn't have the power, explosiveness, or stamina. Like the stamina would be like EPOs and shit like that. But he didn't show that. He didn't show like the power and explosiveness. Like nothing about what he did and his body type also doesn't reflect that. So nothing about him aside from the back end that you're seeing tells me he's doing PEDs. Oh, okay. Well, that, that actually kind of leads me into a segue here. Or to I want to digress for just a moment. Uh, and Michael, you can interject too if if you have any knowledge or, or comments on it. Um, there were a few years, not f- a few, several years back um, when Antonio Tarver uh, was still fighting. Uh, he got the second time he was busted for steroids or for uh, PEDs. Uh, he looked like shit in the fight that uh, he had just before he popped. And I was, I wanted to ask you, Victor, because you know, you've been in, not involved with PEDs, but you've been on the in the boxing scene in the gyms and in the you've ring. You've been involved with PEDs. Yeah, you've been yeah, steroids yeah. your whole life, yeah. baby. No, no, no. <laughs> but like, like, why, why does that? I mean, 
as the fighter ages, do the PEDs, you know, have less of an effect? Or does it, you know, depend on what a guy takes? Because Tarver looked like shit, even though he popped for some, I don't remember what it was, but he popped for something. And, and, I mean, he fought like shit. He didn't have that energy. He didn't have any power. He wasn't explosive. He was completely lethargic and listless. So uh, what was, you know, what was happening there? Okay, so there's actually two lines of thought here. One is just age, and then you could also assume that he was always doing that. He just happened to get caught because as you get older, the drugs actually stay in your system a little bit longer, which does fuck up your cycle, the cycle timing okay. of it. You know, like it makes it uh-huh. easily, it more it makes it more likely that you're going to get detected because again, it stays in your system longer. And then there's also the idea that you're doing PEDs because you yourself don't feel like you can compete on equal terms, which also takes a hit of your confidence, which could lead to you looking like shit in the ring, even with those steroids, because that's not going to give you that confidence, you know? Because, like, basically, if you're using them, what you're actually admitting, a lot of times people don't think about it like this, but what you're actually saying is that I'm not good enough to compete naturally, so I need an extra advantage here. That is definitely what you're saying. So it does have a psychological effect there because you're already conceding that you're not good enough. So you will at times see a guy perform a little bit worse than usual because in the back of his mind, he's like, okay, I'm not good enough. And then fight gets tough. Right. Like, oh, shit, it's not helping me that much. I'm still not right. good enough. <laughs> well, it could, and it, it could also be, this just popped into my mind. It could also be that uh, Tarver in that instance didn't actually train very hard or wasn't that dedicated in camp. Um, you know, I, you can take all the drugs you want, but if you're not putting the work in, you know what I mean? This, you're not going to really reap the benefits from it. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah, actually I don't the know. thing that I've seen with some guys that have used PEDs before, just around guys at the gym and shit like that, just like showing up. And uh-huh. they don't put in the work that they're supposed to do with them. They were actually doing more before they started using, and then they start using, and they're like kind of like slack off a bit, and they end up getting worse because it's like they think that it's like an instant gain and they, they don't have to put in as much work in the gym or some shit like that. But you do actually. It's done so you can put in more work in the gym. That's really the main use it gives you. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I just I thought always thought that was weird because I and Tarver is not the only older guy that I've seen look like shit and then you know piss hot for something. Uh, it's happened mm-hmm. several times over the last you know fifteen twenty years. But uh, you can actually see it in MMA a whole lot because they've like been doing more stringent drug testing than they usually did before. And you can see a guy test positive, and then sometimes that's not even the fight where they look good at. Right. I I just think it's weird because you know you're gonna you're gonna put your career and, and your body and your your health at risk by taking something like that, and then you don't put, you either put the work in or you know it's not giving you not you're not reaping the benefits from it. So you know, that I just find that interesting. But like you said, it's it's with the older guys, it's probably a case of I'm not good enough to compete you know, or I'm no longer good enough to compete on this level. I need something to help, you know, help keep me there or near it. So, um, you know, that's interesting. I'll have to look into that a little bit more, uh, this week when I have some free time, but, uh, I want to move on guys. Uh, there was, uh, a second fight on, uh, I, I don't know if it was a co-main or, or, uh, oh, or not, but before we uh-huh. actually get to that, can we discuss the tactics that Broner and Vargas did in this fight actually? Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. All right, so first, what did you guys think about the way they fought, both men in particular? Go ahead, Michael. Uh, Vargas, I thought, thought, fought the fight that we all guessed. You know, he just tried to – what seems to be the way to beat Broner is just to put pressure on him. Uh, yeah. Since Broner's lost against Maidana, his punch output's dramatically decreased. So 
the way to kind of beat him is just pressurize him, pressurize him, don't let him settle, don't let him start to showboat. So Vargas came in and just fought the fight that everyone kind of guessed, but just gassed himself out because he couldn't get him out of there. So obviously the last three or four rounds, as we all started to see that, you know, his, his, his output was so high compared to his usual fights that he just couldn't maintain it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all I see. I think that's the book on Broner. You beat him by outworking him because he usually has a pretty poor work rate. I like the early on body attack from Vargas in the first half of the great first half of the fight. It was great. It was a really really yeah. solid body attack, which I thought was going to pay off more in the later rounds. I expected Broner to get tired, but he didn't. But Vargas had banked so many of the early rounds that to me it didn't even matter. Vargas still won the fight. I didn't like how he seemed to get away from the jab a little bit towards the second half of the fight, and I think that was the major turning point there. There were a lot of jabs to the body from Vargas. That was good, but Broner was not countering that at all, which that was kind of worrisome there because it's very easy to counter the jab to the body. He just didn't. He just just sit back and took – he just took the punches. He didn't even do anything. He just, like, sat back in the high guard, stood there in the middle of the ring, got hit, didn't counter. It was kind of weird to watch. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought Vargas was going to bring obviously the volume, you know, that he normally brings into his fights, his punch volume. Um but I thought he kind of went you know, he, he exceeded my expectations in that regard. Um and I'm with you guys. Um his jab and his body work in the first, you know, the first 6-7 rounds was or 5 or 6 rounds was really really impressive. Um but I was worried at like I think in round 4 or 5, you know, as that pace kept up and Broner started fighting back. I thought there's no way that either of these guys are going to be able to, you know, to keep that kind of pace going. Um, and that turned out to be the case. Um, as far as Broner's performance, uh, it was kind of typical. Uh, I didn't expect Broner to, to let his hands go the way he did um, later in the fight. But, um, you know, in, in, in like the opening trainer, rounds. I feel like yeah. his trainer was telling him the right thing and it made him just a little bit more motivated that Broner isn't good enough to capitalize off that the way he should, you know. Yeah, no, I yeah, agree. I, uh, and I agree with my, what Michael said when we first started uh, talking about the, the this fight. I think uh, Broner's corner and his, his new team, uh, you know, made, made the difference uh, in this one. Um, made know, the difference were, in the draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're not, they weren't as <laughs> passive as his old team has, has been in the past. And, you know, to motivate, to be able to motivate somebody like Broner and get him to listen and follow instructions is a you know, is worthy of an award in of itself. So, you know, they did a good job, uh, but um, I don't know. I, 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 when Broner lets his hands go, I, I, I tend to see uh, his accuracy kind of take a dive. Um, you know, I, I mean, it helped, it helped him get a draw, but uh, I don't know. Um, both guys, uh, Broner kind of, Met my expectations and Vargas kind of exceeded them, uh, but then I was a little disappointed when you know Vargas couldn't keep that work rate up. Um, but you know it, it was what it was, uh, and it was surprisingly entertaining. So, you know I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> a fight um, I want to see right now is Vargas versus Adrian Granados. Yeah, that would be an entertaining fight. He's a good fighter, Granados. Yeah. Gets robbed all the time, man. This sport kind of fucks Ronaldo Silver. I feel like the only time he legitimately lost, like, without controversy, is versus Sean Porter. Everything else is debatable. Hmm. I feel that his, uh, his trainers seem to to hate him. They just throw yeah. him in with 
They throw him in with some of the best fighters all the time. And then he's having debatables, though. Like, I like this kid, man. I like Bart, uh, yeah, Renato's. He's <laughs> underrated. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, do you guys have anything else to add to the Vargas Broner fight? Uh, yeah, just, just. Oh, yeah, what's up? Uh, I was going to say, uh, to me, I, I just thought that Broner, that uh, his problem with his style was that he'd throw two punches and then. If they kind of landed, he'd just kind of, kind of sit back and be like, hey, they were pretty right. good, you know, just sit yeah. back and he just admire, just admires yeah. his own work. Instead yeah. of like, there was a couple of, couple of times where he actually caught him and he could have followed up with a, like another couple of shots, carried on the attack, but he just sits back. And I don't know whether he's just admiring his own work or he's too scared that something's going to come back and he's going to get hit because of um, obviously when he fought Maidana. So he's just a strange style. He's got such an irritating yeah. style to watch. And, and when when he launches, well, that that Victor and and uh, what I've noticed too with Broner is when he when he really lets his hands go and he tends to lunge in and get sloppy, um, and he mm-hmm. kind of smothers his own work or he just misses wildly. Uh, that's, that's something I've noticed a lot lately too. And that happens a whole lot when he tries to mainly turn his defense into offense. It's like he's only good at doing one right. thing at a time. Right, I think. Uh, who was that? Was it? It was Bernstein said that last night. He's or it might have been Malinaji. Uh, he said he's either on uh, offense or defense, and he's never, mm-hmm. you know, he's never he's never using both at the same time, or he can't transition. Uh, and yeah, which is weird because a, like when you look at the way Broner fights, a lot of times, like in this fight in particular, is like stand my ground, stand in a high guard, but then no counters came. Like if you're doing that, you need to counter. You're just sitting there. I don't know what he was trying to do there. It was weird. Mm. Yeah. I will say also that this is definitely not the uh, revival of Broner. Like people tried to make it out to be like this is going to turn out. Broner, they is always who he thought he was. They always try to rehabilitate this guy and make him out to be something he's like clearly not. Both like as a fighter and as a person. You know, Bro, what was they, I feel like they've rehabilitated him like seven times already. <laughs> yeah, no, that yeah, it's true. It, it, I mean, they try to. What was it that he? What it was? I don't remember which fight it was after. It was what three or four fights ago at at the latest, uh, where he said, you know, I'm going to try to be a better person and be a role model. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? I we knew what we were looking at and what we were watching. You know and what I mean? Got, like arrested the next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had those like those twenty bullet holes in the side of his SUV as yeah. well, and was like, dude, what is this motherfucker up to? You know what I mean? So. I, and like Michael said, people tune tune in to watch Broner either win or get get it, you know the shit knocked out of him. And um, I, I'm somebody that enjoys that, but it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah. He's gonna find yeah. the right one eventually. And that's why that's why I like watching Broner because I'm kind of I'm kind of a member of both camps. I want to see him lose because because he's a clown, but I also like a clown. You know what I mean? When I watched that Madonna when the Madonna fight happened, uh, that's kind of when I got invested. Uh, as a fan into Broner because it was like, dude, this guy's such a mess and he's such a train wreck and such a loud mouth and such an idiot. Uh, and he's not a great fighter. And he got in there with Maidana who just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and that, I thought that was funny the way he reacted and, you know, the aftermath and stuff. I want to see all that happen again. Um, but, you know, he can also turn in a performance like he did uh, yesterday or last night, you know, and, and entertain the crowd, you know, legitimately, you know, without having to run his mouth and embarrassing himself and everyone around him. So, you know. 
So, all right, I'll take I'll take the dead air as a as a sign to to move the show along. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other fight or the second fight that aired last night on uh, Showtime was a uh, middleweight bout, or I'm sorry, junior middleweight. Yeah, it was middleweight. Sorry, I got my notes all screwed up. Uh, 160 bout uh, between Jermel Charlo and Hugo Centeno. Uh, it was a 12 rounder for the vacant WBC interim middleweight title, um, and in that fight, Charlo knocked Centeno out. Uh, in emphatic fashion in round two after Centeno uh, tried letting his hands go and stepping into the pocket, pocket to try to mix things up with Charlo. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I, uh, I want to I go to Michael first on this one. Uh, what did you make of the fight, Michael, and, and in particular, Charlo's performance? Uh, I think I said last week I thought he was going to get him out of there like fairly early. Uh, I thought uh, Centeno kind of needed to stay away from him. He, he didn't really try to stay away. He got near the ropes. Charlo just unloaded a voracious like four punch combination. Uh, and then he was kind of all over. Um, wasn't really yeah. many punches even thrown. I think Santana only threw like ten punches or something like that in the whole of the fight. Um, Charlo looks pretty good. I think he needs to step up in class though. Um, and then obviously it's going to be. I think is he now the mandatory to Golovkin. So yes. Yeah. yeah. And then did, did you did you what did you what did you think of uh Michael, what did you think of Centeno's uh uh choice to try to open things up and let his hands go? Was that was that a really bad game plan or do you think he might have been on to something? I suppose Charlo probably didn't expect it, so maybe that's what he was going for. You know, Charlo right. normally people try and stay away from him and Charlo has to try and close the ring. Um Centeno said afterwards that he wanted to go out on his shield. Um, he got obviously he didn't work. He was trying to work the jab. <laughs> he got in a couple of good shots. Uh, he was just staying in the pocket for too long, I thought. And mm. Charlo just finished him off like we all kind of expected. Uh, right. Well, when, when fair Centeno play to, and fair play to Centeno uh-huh. for, for going out on his shield, you know it's good for the fans, sure. but it wasn't too good for him. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. What I did, what I did notice, Michael, is when Centeno uh, finally opened up and let his hands go in that flurry right before the end was, uh, he left himself wide the open for all those flurry. counters. Yeah, oh it God, was really yes. sloppy. I was hoping I was going to get to say that at first. I was like, as soon as Mike is done. Oh, sorry, man. Sorry. Oh, no, I was <laughs> saying, dude, Centeno, and I'm proud of you that one. <laughs> no, Centeno was <laughs> complete shit. Centeno was, man, that was. He came out shook, by the way. He looked really shaky just from the as soon as the bell rang, and right. he panicked hella hard in that exchange. It was I've literally seen people that have only boxed for one year do better in exchanges like that. That was the <laughs> worst I have ever seen. Any bro, open as fuck. What was that? Well, yeah, he and he was turned to the side too when Charlo caught him. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was the, in the replay? The it was very clear that you could see uh, he got tagged like uh, behind the ear uh, a couple of times, and then the first one was like on the side of the head. So it was like those are brutal. Um, but yeah, I mean, Victor, what what did you what did you make of Charlo's performance? Um, we know Centeno kind of did something really stupid, uh, but what about Charlo? Not enough data to go by. I mean, yeah. Charlo did what he's supposed to do if you are supposed to be even a B-level fighter and against a guy that does some shit like that, you should take him out early. That was just, I have no data to go by. I, I still don't know where 
Charlo supposed to be ranked at middleweight right now? Because that fight, I mean, it's good that it ended like that for him, but it still doesn't tell me exactly where his level is. He may not even be top five in the division right now. We just don't know. Well, that's a perfect segue into 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 uh, my little spot here and kind of what the media and a lot of the fans on in the Twitterverse were saying last night. And, you know, and I knew it would happen after he won and called out Golovkin. You know, oh look out, here comes Jamal Charlo, and I'm sitting here thinking the same thing you are, Victor. Is and and like Michael said, he needs to step up. But I'm I'm sitting here uh, in front of my TV in the office thinking. This guy has done jack shit at middleweight. He bu- he he beat the living shit out of a guy with one good leg, and then he beat uh, uh you know Hugo Centeno. I mean, who the hell is Hugo Centeno? He's not he, he's not, he's not a Danny. No, I well, no. But I mean, he's not Centeno. But it was I mean, he's not terrible. But it was clearly a showcase. You know, what I mean, he's handpicking yeah. these guys. You know, uh, now if if Charlo gets in there with say a Danny Jacobs, a BJ Saunders and does the same thing or even impresses, you know, works impressively over 12 rounds to walk away with a decision or even another belt, you know, then, then I, I'll, you know, I have no problem jumping on that bandwagon, but uh, you know, some of the, some of the media members that I respect last night were, had me scratching my head because they were, you know, he's a threat to everybody and he's the next, you know, big thing at middleweight. And it's like, he, I'm telling myself, well, he might be, he could be, but what the fuck? I mean, Hugo Centeno. You know, I mean, we've talked about it before uh, months ago, Victor, on, on the show and off the air. Well, you know, it's easy to look good when I go to the gym and play racquetball. I look good when I play people who have never played before or have only been playing a couple of months. You know, it's it's very you know somebody's gonna watch me and go, wow, that guy's really good. No, I'm a fucking D plus, D plus C minus level player, but. When I play, you know, F, 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 F level players or, you know, guys that have never played, of course I look great. You know what I mean? It's like I see I see the power in Charlo. I see some skill there, but I'm with you, Victor. We don't have enough data to say, hey, this guy's a top middleweight. This guy is a threat to to Saunders, to Golovkin, to Canelo, to everybody at the top of that division. And I don't I don't understand what the hell is happening in the sports media, in, in like within the fan boxing's fandom either. It's just, you know, I feel like everybody is so quick to kind of crown these guys, you know, as, 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 you know, the people's champion or as the next big thing or the, the threat or. Uh, the heir uh, apparent uh, to the love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was in the middle of trying not to burp on the air when you, when I was, stammering or stuttering there so thank you but yeah i i don't know man i i I need to see a lot more from charlo um uh where how do you feel about that michael i mean how much can you really take away from from a victory against someone like hugo centeno like you just said you can't really take much you know he did what he was supposed to do i guess Mm -hmm. he got him out of there early but you know he's got to be on that stepping stone i'd like to see him step up and face like a jacobs uh, Andrade. Mm-hmm. That's the even yeah, the like we were talking about the other week, uh, Murata. Um, if Triple G yeah. and him don't fight, um, even the Danger Man that everyone keeps talking about, Devry Yachenko, um, those sorts of fights, those are the ones we're going to look at and say, you know what, he is the real deal because he fought somebody um, with a with a resume. The people he's fighting at the minute, it's not really fought on any big stages. They've got not got those big names on the resume. Um, mm-hmm. 
They don't even pass the eye test, don't have the amateur pedigree, even like as a supplemental thing. Exactly, yeah. Well, now's the perfect time to ask you guys, and does Charlo take a fight of that caliber next, or does he kind of stay on cruise control and just fight these middle-of-the-road kind of guys? I mean, you know, what do you guys think? Here's my thoughts for all of this right now. This goes for pretty much everybody in the middleweight division aside from Saunders and Canelo right now. They're all chasing Golovkin, right, as they should. But Golovkin is 36 years old. You need yep. to do something to separate yourself from these other guys to make him want to fight you. Because let's be real, he's not going to fight all these guys that we want to see him fight. We're probably not going to see him versus all of Murata, Charlo, Darren Ivanchenko, Saunders, Canelo, we're not in a Jacobs rematch. That's six people. We don't have, I don't think we have six middleweight fights in Golovkin right now. Pretty no, sure we I don't. agree. So what you need to do, if you're not at the Saunders and Canelo stage where like you offer a whole lot to Golovkin, you need to put yourself in a desirable position. You need to take off those other contenders. Charlo should be going after Jacobs right now, or Murata even, or just someone. Darren Ivanchenko, do something to separate yourself from the pack to force that fight. Make Golovkin want to fight you. You can't yep. sit back like, I want to fight Golovkin, because he's old. You're probably not going to get that fight if you don't do anything <laughs> to deserve that fight right now. Right. And that's going to be tough, because even if he does take a you know, a Jacobs or, uh, uh, you know, a Saunders type level fight or any of those other guys, uh, that Michael or you mentioned, Victor, uh, I mean, Charlo's, you know, the, the inactivity that, that plagues guys in the PBC is a big concern for me. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself a, a Jamal Charlo fan yet. Um, but I do like what he's been doing, uh, the last two or three fights. That's, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who likes action and knockouts. So I'm all, I'm going to tune in to watch him fight. But with, you know, Al Heyman and, and Lou DeBella or whoever's involved with, with uh, you know, promoting and, and managing Charlo's career, uh, those guys don't, you know, especially over the last 10 years or so, don't have a great track record, you know, as far as capitalizing on mo- momentum and, and, you know, keeping these young and up-and-coming guys busy all the time. Um, so I'm wondering how much of a factor – inactivity is going to play and quality of opposition. Uh, now, Michael, where, where do you stand on this? Do you think uh, that Charlotte targets one of those guys next, or do you think he just kind of cruises the next couple of years and, and, and fights these middle of the road kind of guys? I'd like to see him step up, uh, fight some of the guys we've just been talking about, you know, for his career. But last night he picked up $500,000, uh, six minutes to of do work. nothing. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, in a perfect world, would you would you step up if you were him? If you're getting paydays like that, but yeah, if I, I'm in no, his position. I try to force those fights anyway, just because when Golovkin retires, I need to put myself in a position where I am going to be the guy at middleweight. I need those fights if I'm Charlo. Right, and that that actually leads me to my next point, and I want you guys to chime in too. Um, we've been talking a lot about the inactivity and quality of opposition uh, for a lot of different guys, but in this case, Charlo. Um, isn't the point of fighting, because these guys fight for the money more than anything, any other reason, isn't the point of doing all this or fighting these fights to get to the level 
of Golovkin or, say, Canelo or like a Mayweather where you have all the control and negotiations, you tell the networks what to do, the promoter works for you, you know, uh, people are begging you to fight in their arena, you know, or in their stadium, you know, uh, isn't that the point of all this? I mean, and, and if it is, why aren't guys like Charlo more active and why aren't they stepping up sooner rather than later? I guess they're not even in control of things, but it, they need to. But 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 I but I mean but I, and I understand that Victor. But what what about their promoters? I mean, I we you know we've had a lot of back and forth about Al Heyman and the PBC. We've made our our opinions known about that that entity and, and some of those people there. But I mean, if they want to make if you want to make a ton of money in boxing, guys, I mean, don't you have to get to that level? I know, like Michael mm-hmm. just said. Michael just said, well, Charlotte made 500 grand pretty much, you know, to do nothing. You know what I mean? That would be like me sitting down. I'm a writer during the day, a copywriter. And, you know, instead of my, my 20 or 30 articles and, and, and press releases that I have to produce every day, you know, or five days a week, I only have to do two. You know what I mean? I can, I can go into my office at five and be done by six or seven and I'm fucking out of there. You know what I mean? And I get it. Yeah. You don't have to come back to work, you know, because you're making so much money, but if you want to make the $10 million, the $100 million, I mean, even a promoter should be, you know, Charlo's promoter, in this case, Heyman or DeBella, whoever, whoever, you know, is working on, you know, working his career behind the scenes should be like, well, we got to get, get you back in there, Jamal, you know, another fight. We'll be back in June. We'll be back in July. Then we're going to be back in August or September. Then we're going to finish out in November or December because that's how, like you said, Victor, uh, you know, separate yourself, make yourself, you know what I mean? Make yourself make create create this like circle of interdependence where a guy like Golovkin or a guy like Canelo needs you as much as you need them, you know, so mm-hmm. that you can get that big money fight. I, I I don't understand, you know, this 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 PBC like Mayweather effect or our business model has bled over into all aspects and all corners of the sport. Uh, it's not just PBC anymore that drives me fucking nuts. It's top rank. It's uh, you know, it's Golden Boy. It's it's all of the promoters. These guys, fighters are essentially part time. You know, once you once you get to the HBO or Showtime or ESPN level, you go on the two you know the two fight a year plan, and we never see anymore. You don't build, you don't have any momentum, and you just get paid to kind of you know you go on cruise control and get paid for it for you know what five to ten years. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I want to see a guy like Charlo tested. I want to see him pushed and I, I you know i want to see him if he if he really has got the goods and he's really you know the next big thing or the threat i want to see him you know prove me wrong or, or at least have that opportunity to do so um i'm of the opinion that he probably sits out for three to six months and then he probably fights somebody on the same level of centeno again um but uh, i guess we just kind of have to wait and see um until he, you know, until he steps up and does what he did last night against someone like Jacobs or Saunders or Jerry, I can never say Jerry Evanchenko, uh, someone on that level or that type of threat, you know, I, I'm going to remain a skeptic. I'm not going to, you know, I have a hard time with these people. You know, I, I feel like it's uh, we throw the round, we throw the words, you know, duck around too often. Uh, we're really way too liberal with. Words like uh, you know, great exposed or is another one. Yeah, too. exposed. 
the threat, you know, all those buzzwords that, you know, guys like us use in, in the media and the guys on, you know, commentating teams use. It's, it's just, it's, it's like, man, slow down, pump the brakes and, you know, let, let's wait and see, you know, when it was, it's funny because when Golovkin was coming up, I was skeptical of him too, uh, even more so because he, you know, he was, he was knocking everybody out and I thought, well, this might not last, you know, let's see what happens when he gets in there and, you know, he proved himself to me over time. Shows you that he's a monster. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's funny because every nobody, I feel like there's a it's a double standard with some fighters. Everybody's like, he's the next big thing. He's great. He can he would go back and destroy anybody in the history of the sport. And then uh, with other guys, it's like. Like with Golovkin is a great example of that. Oh, he's all hype. He's just—he's just a slugger with you know. He's just a slugger with power. He's, he's got no defense. He's got nothing, no levels to his game. And you know, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. And it's like this inconsistency. There's this inconsistency in boxing's fandom, and I—I I don't get it. I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess it is what it is, and we just have to deal with it and move on. So, uh, did you guys have anything else to add to the? to the growing legend of Jamal Charlo, or should we move on to Davis and Quajar? I hope I said that right. I think it's Quajar. I said Quajar until I watched the broadcast last night, and they were joking about the uh, the pronunciation of that fight, and they were calling him Quajar. Shit. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. So did you have anything to add to the, the, to the Charlo business, Michael, or do you want to move on? No, but, no we can move on. All right. Oh, well, let's do that. Uh, the opening bout on uh, Showtime last night, or the the, the televised card, was Gervonta uh, Davis versus uh, Jesus Quajar, and that was a 12-rounder for the vacant WBA quote-unquote regular junior lightweight title. Uh, in that fight, uh, Tank Davis drops Quajar Wait, three times. Are you huh? Are you sure it's for the regular and it wasn't for, like, the super super? Because I could have sworn they made up some weird shit, like <laughs> super super. Uh, fuck, that's another... We have to do... We, I want to do a show we have a slow week maybe in the middle of the summer you know when there isn't a lot going on in the sport uh and i, I like just have a bitch like slash rant episode where we go over all this this garbage because like that's another <laughs> that's another like bugaboo for me uh victor it's gonna be a long these, list <laughs> these fucking titles man i tell you guys i mean regular you know interim regular su- uh, you know super diamond regular and and then you throw interim to you know to every other imaginable name that they have for these these crazy titles but uh uh in in that fight uh Davis did drop Quasar three times en route to a third round knockout victory uh and he does become the WBA's regular champion at 130 pounds um now I thought uh Tank looked good like he usually does um but again like Charlo and a lot of other guys, uh, Victor and Mike, his quality of opposition hasn't been stellar. Um, and I'm waiting for Tank to move up before I say, hey, this guy's really got the goods. Um, I obviously see power there and I see some skill. Um, but, Victor, let me start with you. How how good uh, was his performance last night in reality? And how good is Tank? Davis is okay. I think he's above average. I don't think he's great. Um, his performance was pretty much what it was supposed to be. Davis is known for sure. having a lot of power. He's a big guy at 130 pounds, not in terms of height, but in terms of just mass. Crayar is coming from a lower division. This is pretty much what was supposed to happen, considering this is Crayar <laughs> and the smaller guy here. But 
I mean, nothing impressed me, but he did what he's supposed to do. It was kind of a pointless fight to me. It kind of bothers me that they're even doing this for a title. They just... Yeah. Whatever. Well, <laughs> how about you, Michael? Where Where are you at with all of that? <laughs> I quite, quite like Javante uh, Davis. Uh, I thought he mixed his work up well. He started fast, attacking uh, Quayla with some, like, some body shots. Mm-hmm. He nailed him with a nice left one midway through the second round that made him make him take a knee. Um, he mixed his work up, I thought, in the later rounds. He was kind of like going to the body, to the head, and then uh, Quayla just didn't really know what to do. Davis was just on another level. He was too quick, too strong, um, good movement. I thought the uh, the change of trainer, the same as Broner, going oh. to Kevin Cunningham, seemed to do well. With, yeah, because he seems to be, obviously, he's an ex-police uh, officer. Uh, uh, he doesn't take any shit from those two, which I think they need. Um, right. But, yeah, like you said, I thought his level of opponent was kind of like man-made for him, obviously after losing the title last time for coming in two pounds overweight when he was on the uh, McGregor undercard. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got the goods, though. He's, he reminds me of Broner. Uh, the fact that they seem to have the talent is just, well, they didn't do anything with it. It's just upstairs and outside of the ring where the, uh, they seem to fall down, you know? Too much distraction right. away from it. So I don't know whether those two hanging around together is probably the best thing. Um <laughs> but he's obviously going to be fighting the winner of Tevin Farmer and uh, Billy Dibb. So right. I That's think the fight, assuming that Farmer wins. If Farmer wins, that is my ideal matchup for Javante Davis. Yeah, I, I like that I think, fight too. I think Davis would take Farmer. I watched Farmer when he fought, is it, I can't remember, the, 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 the Asian guy. Was it Ogawa Ogu- or something like that? Ogawa, yeah. Ogawa, yeah. Farmer, I, I didn't think looked too good on that, on that, on that fight, but... Farmer is interesting to me because he has quite a few flaws, but I feel like he can overcome them. He seems to be steadily improving, and he has to overcome a whole lot just to box. I mean, he got shot in the hand. He's cross-eyed. He he shouldn't even be able to be a boxer, to be honest with you, but he he manages. doesn't have power. He has a lot of stuff going against him, but that's why I like this kid so much. I I say kid when he's 27, older than me, but like he is inspiring as fuck to me. Hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. You know, like you said, he's got a lot of things. And then obviously last time he lost that fight against Ogawa, then Ogawa ended up testing positive and lost mm-hmm. the title. Dude, so, Farmer's life is a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got he's got a nice. I like his. He's got like a nice southpaw stance. He's kind of slick, but like you say, he's got those those odd flaws. He's kind of mm-hmm. like he's nice to watch. He's got a nice style. He's like Sweet Pea to me. <laughs> 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 oh, so you're gonna you're starting to go into uh, for some reason that made me think of Max Kellerman because all he ever talks about is is <laughs> Pernell Whitaker. Anytime somebody's a little cute or a little slick, oh, he starts drawing those stupid comparisons, and it's like, oh yeah, my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how, let me ask you guys: How high do you think Javante uh, uh, Davis's ceiling is? Uh, meaning, how you know how? Can he reach the elite level of the sport and not only be competitive but win? Or do you, or, you know, what do you guys think? I mean, I don't think he's going to be like on a top ten pound for pound list or anything like that. But I think sure. he's going to be at the top of any division he fights at. Except, except in, uh, any that have uh, Vasil Lomachenko in it, right? Well, no, he would still be tough there. Like, even uh, if you're <laughs> clearly worse than the number one guy, you're still elite right. that number one guy is so much right, better than right, everybody right. else but like you're still elite too you're just 
levels, man. Not, not as elite. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, like Lomachenko arguably is the most skilled boxer alive right now, so there's no shame yeah. being worse than him. No, no, no. There's no, yeah. There's no shame in being number two behind him. Um, but I'm looking. I'm looking at the rankings at 130. Um, I don't know. Uh, I know he's going to get the the winner of Farmer and Dib. Um, and I it was funny too, as I meant to ask you guys. Um, there was that talk of him fighting Tank uh, or Tank Davis fighting Vasil Lomachenko uh, next. Uh, you know, and there was a lot made of that because he had some problem with uh, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, and Mayweather actually contacted uh, Top Rank to make that fight happen, um, but that's apparently not going to happen. And, I mean, did you guys really believe that it might? Nah, <laughs> I was actually yeah. kind of bothered that, that fight was even going to happen. Well, like, I, I wonder. About that I, fight excites me. Yeah, I, I wonder why it why the content. You know, they they were even discussing it. You know, behind the scenes or on the phone. I just it doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, how about you, Michael? I mean, did you did you think the fight was realistic or you know might happen down the line or or what? To me, it kind of, Mayweather seems to do strange things with his promotions. Like <laughs> talking about putting Davis in with Lomachenko, it seems that Mayweather always wants to be the face of Mayweather promotions, and that if any star starts to get kind of close to him in terms of stardom, that he's just going to throw him in with somebody that, that that's that's going to beat them. It knocks them back down so Floyd can just be Floyd and still be the face of the promotion and everything's about Floyd. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's an egomaniac like that, that's for sure. Um, that's what it seems to be because if you were going to yeah. do that, like most promoters will milk. Like Davis is one of the biggest guys that he has. So most promoters will, will milk that cash cow until they can't really right. milk them anymore and then have to face them. Why would you do what he's thinking about doing and beating Davis kind of easy fights and then going, you know what, let's throw you in with the best person in the division. Kind of a strange decision. Yeah, oh, yeah, the best I, person in boxing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was going to agree with both of you guys on that. and You beat me to that one, Victor. But I, I thought that was really odd, too. I thought, well, you know, he's kind of – Davis is really inexperienced. He's still an up-and-comer. He's still really young. And then, you know, for whatever reason, Floyd's going to throw you in with Lomachenko, I mean, possibly the best guy in the sport at the moment. Uh, I thought that was really odd, which is one of the reasons I was extremely skeptical of it. But when uh, I think it was Todd DeBuff on Twitter said, yeah, I can confirm that Floyd Mayweather has contacted me about, a, you know, this fight. I thought, what the fuck is going on here? You know what I mean? So um, I, I don't think that fight will ever happen. I think uh, Lomachenko will continue to move up and I'm sure Javante Davis will uh, stay at 130 at least for a while. Um but looking at looking at the landscape of the division, I, I think uh, even if Davis isn't you know isn't doesn't turn out to be an elite talent, I think he's good enough to to you know kind of rule 130 uh, for quite a while and maybe even 135. So uh, that's another one where we just kind of have to wait and see. Um, uh, I did want to bring this up too, uh, Javante Davis. Uh, he, you know he looks good as he always does, uh, but. Uh, given the quality of his opposition thus far, um, I found it kind of strange and irritating that, uh, you know, a lot of fans and media were placing the proverbial crown on his head, uh, just like they were doing with Charlo and a lot of other guys. Um, I, again, I just don't understand that, man. Um, you know, I, I want to see Davis move up and be tested before, you know, we say that he's, you know, elite or even great. We know he's good and probably very good. Um, but you know, the jury's still out on that one. Uh, 
but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have too much else to say about the the David Quas- uh, or Davis Quasar fight. Um, I just kind of hope to see Davis back in the ring sooner than later. Um, what do you, where do you guys uh, where are you guys at with that? Anything else? Nah. No. Nope. <laughs> silence speaks louder than words, huh? <laughs> um, on, uh, uh, earlier on Showtime in the day yesterday, uh, they were streaming uh, the Carl Frampton versus Nonito Donaire fight uh, from. I, uh, do you guys know where the fight was held? I know it wasn't here. I know it was, was it in England or was it in Ireland? Belfast. It was in Ireland. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. For some reason, I thought it might have been in Wales, but I thought, no, Carl Frampton's Irish. Why the fuck would it be in Wales? Um, but that was a 12-rounder for uh, the vacant WBO, here we go, Victor, interim featherweight title. Um, and Frampton oh, yeah. uh, outguns. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off here, but I did Google it, and I was right that Javante Davis shit was for the super, super title. They literally made up a super, super title for it. I had no fucking clue that that was the yeah. case, and I had no fucking clue that they even had invented yet another stacked yeah, fucking title. Are you kidding me? Yeah, God it's not even it. for the for the regular title. I thought so. It's for the super, super shit, which makes him above Machado despite having like yeah. I, I don't know what the fuck happened there, but yeah, that's exactly what they did. They made up a super, <laughs> super title. Okay, well, before we go over the fight then, guys, let me let me go on a little rant here, and then I want you guys to kind of join me, and I want, I want to get your opinions. Um, because we're not, we're not just boxing commentators. We're not just do, you know, three guys doing a show here, and I'm not just a writer. Um, but, I'm, you know, we're all huge fans of the sport, uh, and that means we've probably had points in our lives or in our fandom where we've told a friend about boxing, and this friend or this family member or coworker show some interest so we say hey come on over you know i'm going to order this fight or i'm going to have this fight on we'll barbecue we'll get some food whatever we'll get some brews we're gonna sit down and watch this fucking fight you're gonna love boxing they come over and the sport is extremely hard to follow uh you guys experience this because i have countless times over the last what almost 35 years now I mean, you oh, guys man. know what I'm talking about? Why do they get people into boxing? It's the fucking worst. So who's the champion? All right, so there's uh, there's four champions. Golovkin. Uh, no, like who, who's but... the real champion? Well, uh, you know, there's they're all real champions. It depends on sanctioning bodies. What does that mean? Well, you know how, like, there's the UFC. Imagine if there were four UFCs and these guys didn't fight each other. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I, somebody will say, like my wife, well, who's the middleweight champion? Well, Gennady Golovkin. She knows who that is because I've always got a you know Golovkin shirt on arm, you know, talking about him, you know, especially lately with all the bullshit happening with Canelo. But uh, you know, I, I, then she goes, so he's the champion at 160. Well, yes, but no. There's also B.J. Saunders who's you've got this belt, and then Canelo's got the lineal championship because he beat a guy that you know was on his way out, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like even simple sh- shit that seems simple like that to guys like us is extremely fucking confusing for these outsiders that, you know, and, and I love it. I love the opportunity to convert a non-boxing fan into someone like us. You know what I mean? Or even a casual fan that just watches, uh, that watches every weekend. The what? 
No, 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 no. Convert. Yeah. Well, no, 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 not on that, not on that kind of level. Like we're watching the, like, like we got uh, deer in headlights, you know, staring at the screen or something, and a cu- cup of Kool Aid in our left hand. Nothing like that. But no, but like the chance to turn somebody into a boxing fan, to see somebody show interest, and then hey, I'm gonna get these guys even more excited, or these people even more excited. And then when you start talking about all these fucking titles and how this guy won't fight this guy. And how this sanctioning body won't allow this fight to happen for all these different reasons. It's like, this sport is not only fractured, but it's so fucking complicated with all these belts and all these different champions with these different titles. Like you said, Victor, interim and super interim and super, super diamond. And it's like, where does this shit end, guys? I couldn't think of a better goddamn name than super, super. (laughs) There were so many other adjectives you could have used. Yeah, but that's something my five-year-old says or my seven-year-old says. You know, it's, yeah. it's super, super awesome, Dad. Oh, great! I can't wait to see it. You know, but it's like, I, I, what are your thoughts on this, Michael? You've been you've been pretty quiet today, so I want to let you chime in. I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't like it when they make up. Like, was it when they had Kalichko as like the diamond champion because nobody could beat yeah. him for ten years? And I, the, only, yeah. the only ones I understand. Uh, like the one for Carl Frampton, which was at the WBO interim title, and they only gave him the interim because Oscar Valdez is going to be out for so long for the injuries he sure. uh, sustained against Quig. That I understand. Mm-hmm. But when they just start making sure. up like Emerald Champion and Diamond Champion and Super <laughs> Super Champion and like stuff like that, yeah, it's just over the top. And, like they're supposed to be cutting him down, they said, but obviously yeah. not. Well, <laughs> right. yeah, they well they eliminated. Didn't they eliminate that with uh, with the, when Golovkin beat Jacobs? And they and, said they were going to. And, and yeah, and now there's another WBA, you know, regular champion at middleweight. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I, you know, I, and we all know, and everybody listening to this show is going to know why we have, you know, or why the sanctioning bodies create all those titles, um, you know, because it because of the money it brings into them. You know, they can charge these fighters a shit ton of money for essentially, you know, nothing or meaningless mm-hmm. titles. But it, you know, that and that's I don't watch it anymore, but guys, but that's the one thing. That I love about the NFL and all, pretty much all other major sports, uh, NBA, like any NHL. Other sport. Yeah, when, at the end of the season or at the end of the year, whatever it is, in you know, in that particular sport, the two best teams fucking face off, and you know what I mean. You, you're going to get that every year, and you know it. And then there's a tournament called the playoffs in every sport, where the best, you know, whatever, you know, top six, top eight, top four, go at it. And it's like, fuck, man, boxing. Boxing continues to succeed in spite of itself. You know what I mean? It's like all this bullshit goes on all the time, and it's getting worse. Like, it's never been in a more sorry shape than it has been. Like, in, in my life or in my, you know, in my career as a fan or, you know, my time as a fan, it's all this, this kerfuffling and bullshit. It's like, man, drop these all these titles, drop everything else, and just get these guys in the ring with each other and make it easy to understand for for, you know, the casual people out there, you know, to grab onto the sport and go, hey, you know, I want to watch that again or that was really exciting or, you know, sit down and know that they're watching the two best guys in any respective division go at it. So you know, I, I don't know. That's that's the end of my fucking rant on that. We'll have to. I'll save the rest for a show dedicated to the to the crap that that's in the sport. But uh, yeah, you guys got anything else to add to that, or should we just move on to the Frampton Donaire fight? I'm good to move on. 
All right. <laughs> you guys have been uncharacteristically silent uh, in, in what usually is a segue or segues uh, this week, but that's okay. Uh, that's okay. I, except for your giggling, Victor, I can hear that in the background the whole time. Um, <laughs> it's always fun to watch. It's always fun to watch an excitable old guy fucking lose his shit. Um, but uh, back over to the Frampton Donaire fight. Um, uh, Carl Frampton did outgun and outpoint uh, the Filipino Flash over 12 rounds to uh, win a very dominant and unanimous decision, uh, and he again becomes the WBO interim featherweight champion uh, in the process. Now, guys, I thought Donaire looked very poor in this fight. Um, he had a couple of moments where he, he caught Frampton with, with some good shots, uh, but uh, outside of that, he looked really flat-footed, uh, and he was unable to pull the trigger, which is always a surefire sign of, you know, a shot fighter. Um, now what did you guys make of uh, both fighters' performances and, and, and the fight itself? Uh, Michael, okay. go for it. Uh, Michael's been very quiet. I want to give him a shot to, to fire fire first here. Um, it's, I, I couldn't decide whether Donaire was just get looking old or whether Frampton made him look old. Um, I'll go with with the fact that Frampton said that he had a game plan and, you know, he, he used his feet, moved away. I thought he uh, was in and out of the pocket pretty well. Um, he had a lovely rhythm, I thought, to the distance of getting up close, getting in the pocket, exploding, getting back out. Um, I thought it was a good performance. I thought it was a lot better than his performance against Horatio Garcia. He was kind of, he kind of used the same tactics that he used against Leo Santa Cruz. Because obviously Frampton's not the biggest guy, so I thought his boxing sure. IQ kind of showed that day. The change of trainer, um, he said he's a lot happier working with Jamie Moore than he was when he worked with uh, McGuigan's. Um, his power punches looked good. Um, and I'm looking forward to, hopefully now he's the WBO interim title, it's going to be a good war whenever Oscar Valdez comes back from his injuries. But I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to that fight. I think that's going to be a great fight. Uh, you mean you don't want to yeah. see, you don't want Frampton Quig Part Three. I want Frampton versus is always in a good war. Right, right, right. I was being facetious. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, was, I definitely don't want to ever see that fight. Um, but what, what about you, Victor? What did you think of that fight? And what did you make of uh, both guys' performances? Man, do y'all think Frampton has regressed since the first Santa Cruz fight? I thought he looked better last night. I thought he, against Horatio Garcia, whether it was just a clash of styles or mm-hmm. he said afterwards he had some problems in training camp. He wasn't getting along with the McGuigans and stuff, but, you know, everyone always kind of makes some excuses if they don't look the best. But I thought he looked good last night. Yeah, I mean, he looked good, but I feel like he still performed better in the first Santa Cruz fight. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a great seemed, performance, though. Yeah, I feel like that's Frampton at his peak right now. And I haven't seen him capture that again. It was a it was a solid fight, uh, the Donaire fight. It was a solid fight, but I wonder. I don't know if he can actually get back to that point. I'm pretty confident that Santa Cruz beats him again right now. I kind of yeah, want to see that rubber right. match, though. I want to see the third one. I don't know. I don't even know if those two are going to have the third fight. I'd like I mean, to see it, but I hope they have it at some point. They're one one. Yes. Santa Cruz fighting Mares in June, isn't he? And then hopefully yeah, after that, I think so. Yeah. Mar- yeah. Yeah. That, that, later on. Yeah, it definitely could happen again. Um, 
I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Frampton does next, though. What What do you guys Where do you guys see him heading next? Well, if the Santa Cruz fight isn't going to happen, then you have to wait on the Valdez fight. I guess he might just take a random S fight in the meantime, just to you think prepare he just himself, might... and then. Oh, okay. I say, you think maybe he sits out and waits? I'd prefer him to stay busy, but he might do that too. I mean, I really have yeah. no idea. I think staying busy is the best option, though. And then, depending on the nature, the result of the Santa Cruz fight, I and how quickly Oscar Valdez recovers, go from there. See whichever one's available. Sure. I know. Yeah, I, I know from uh, from the British news. I know that obviously Lee Selby and uh, Josh Warrington are fighting each other, and then. Those two, the winner of that wants to fight Carl Frampton, but that'd kind of be a maybe a step backwards for Carl Frampton because if he ended up losing to one of those guys, and then he's probably not going to get his big fight and his big payday with either Leo Santa Cruz or with um, Oscar Valdez. But like you say, I don't think Valdez is going to be back until later in the year, and then obviously the time difference with Santa Cruz fighting in June, he probably won't want to fight again until later in the year. Would either leave, like Victor said, Frampton either picking up just kind of like a little interim fight in between and then waiting or just waiting for the bigger paydays. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of have a feeling he's going to sit out and wait, but uh, that's another one. I guess we just have to let things play out. Uh, let me ask you guys, uh, how do you feel about Nonito Donaire after last night? Do you think he should carry on or do you think he should hang him up and call it a day? He can probably still beat some mid-level guys, but this is the twilight of his career right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. What about you, Michael? Uh, did you in the interview afterwards? He said he's going to step back down. He said that weight class isn't for him. Uh, right. And he was saying that the way he was talking, he was saying that the the, the Nito Denaire now would be the Nito Denaire of old. You know, he's got to say that. But um, yeah, I'm just hoping he, if he carries on, he he's. I thought he performed okay. I just, it. He didn't get knocked out, but he didn't look great. Um, I just hope it doesn't go on for too long. We don't end up with a Roy Jones type. Right, right. Well, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think Nonito's going to pull a Roy Jones, but uh, I, I'm of the opinion that he should hang him up. Um, but I think, realistically speaking, he'll probably go on, and he'll probably. I think he's at that point in his career. He's the opponent that you're actually a contender. Um, I hate to see anybody go through that, but you know, it's part of part of the sport, I guess. Uh, uh, I don't know who he fights next or when he fights next, but I, I kind of think he hangs around for another year or two. I think he's, what, 35 or so? Uh, so probably another year or two before he hangs him up. Um, I just hope it doesn't it doesn't end for him like on a, you know, like so many guys do where they get knocked out cold or, you know, hurt, you know, before they finally get it in their heads that they got it, they, you know, it's over type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of retiring um, and knockouts, uh, the other fight that was aired earlier on uh, the Showtime app was uh, Amir Khan versus Phil LoGreco. Um, now, Victor, uh, I sent you the link to that fight shortly after you asked me, or immediately after after you asked me if I had seen it. Uh, I went and watched it promptly while I was barbecuing some food. Um, uh, Michael, what do you think of uh, Amir Khan uh, knocking out Phil LoGreco uh, so easily and so quickly? Uh, they're in the first round. Kind of like we said with the Charlo fight, how can you judge him on 39 seconds? That's the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. From what we did see, he looked quick. Um, 
he seems happy. He's quite, he's enjoying camp with Joe Guzan. He was there was something interesting that I heard in an interview before the fight where he was saying that Joe Guzan told him to uh, change his headgear. So he, the headgear he now wears, he doesn't have like a strap underneath his chin. Um, okay. He was saying that that was giving that was giving him confidence that when he was fighting people, inspiring, and he had that extra padding around his chin, you know, he could take a punch. Now he doesn't uh, have that. He's saying that. So you see, you see what kind of see where I'm going with this. So now yeah. he was, uh, yeah, he was saying that that doesn't give him uh, some like fake confidence that he can take a he can take a punch. So just little things like that that um, Joe Guzan has been t- teaching him. Um, so when he's fighting other people, like to stay like out of the pocket, trying to like everyone's kind of been saying for a long time with the Khan that you know when he gets caught he just stands and fights and he's got no chin. It's fun for us. It'd be good. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun for us because he's always in kind of like crazy fights. He either gets knocked out or, you know, has a good performance himself. He's got a, he's got a fan-friendly style, but sure. like I said, it's 39 seconds. You can't really judge whether whether it was good or whether it was bad. So. Right. Well, how about you, Victor? Actually, the biggest problem I had with the fights yesterday is that I didn't get a lot of information on pretty much all of them except for, what, two fights. This is one where I don't have any information for. It kind of makes me excited for the prospect of a Kill Brook versus Amir Khan fight, which I hope they schedule pretty fucking soon before something happens to make that fight (laughs) not a factor at all. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Both guys are are heavily damaged. Uh, what Amir Khan's been knocked out how many times, <laughs> and uh, and Brooks busted both of his orbital bones. Um, I'd yeah. still like to see that fight. I'm wondering. I, I think it's a few years past its expiration date. Um, I still think it'll be a good fight or a competitive fight because because both guys are worn a bit. Um, uh, but I'm wondering if it actually happens or not. Uh, what do you guys think, uh, Michael? Do you think that's going to happen next or anytime soon? <clears throat> Yeah, I think it'll happen. Uh, Amir Khan joined Matchroom Boxing, I believe, to uh, mm-hmm. to try and make sure that fight goes through. Um, I saw Kel Brook and I spoke to him at the uh, Heard Lara fight and asked him about it, and he said that he thought it was going to go through. He was trying to trying to wait to see who we could get a fight in between August or September time, so okay. maybe around then. There's also talk of him fighting Errol Spence. Those two went face-to-face at the, uh, the Heard Lara fight and talked about fighting at that weight. Um, with right. Kel Brook stepping up, obviously to a higher weight, I'm not too sure whether they're going to have to make it a, um, a Canelo weight, one of those made-up weights, like around 150 <laughs> or something like that. Right. Uh, because obviously you can't fight at 147, and obviously with uh, Kel Brook stepping up, we'd have to kind of agree on a weight in between, I guess, somewhere. Yeah. What about you, Victor? You think it's going to happen? Hopefully. I feel like that's the best option for both men, and, I mean, this is a business, so I'm sure they know that, too, and they they should both want that fight, but Khan's kind of bullshitting around. Khan seems kind of stupid with that. I don't know why right. he's doing that. This is <laughs> the ideal fight for him right now. I think he loses, but it's still the ideal fight for him. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> that's probably... I think it's probably uh, both guys' best bet for a big payday, because uh, that's going to be huge over there on the island, but... Uh, I just hope, I kind of hope it happens because I'd like to see it. The rumor is I heard uh, later in the year, around September time in Manchester. Oh, okay. That would be good. Um, I, I...
Hello? Are you guys still there? Hello? Everybody still on yep. the air? Hello? Yeah. I yeah, lost every, every, everybody. Went, everything went silent in my headphones for like 10 seconds. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, where the hell did everybody go? Yeah. Now, uh, Victor, I know you watched uh, the fight on YouTube like I did. Um, so you probably heard the commentators. Um, but, Michael, did you hear the British broadcasting team talking about Amir Khan as though he, like, it was the second coming or, like, you know what I mean? He was the world's most dangerous fighter. Yeah, I got the uh, – well, I didn't watch it on YouTube, but I've got the uh, ESPN Plus app to watch it. Being, oh, okay. Been a, been a British fan, you know, I wanted to see Amir Khan. Sure, sure. So, yeah, but I, I, I heard that, and I, that was another one of those moments where I sat and scratched my head, and I thought, this guy just knocked out Phil Agreco, and I didn't know who the hell Phil Agreco was and, until, uh, you know, what, last week I went and looked it up and, and then watched a bit of him online, and it's like, you know, the guy's a nobody, you know what I mean? It's We're at that point in, in, in the sport where, you know, someone like Amir Khan who's good but not, you know, maybe not elite level is, you know, they, they just rain, rain rain all this praise down on the guy for beating up a cab driver. So, you know, it was one of those <laughs> things that kind of made me laugh because the Brit- the British team, the broadcasters, they were really emphatic about it. And I think the guy said, it may have been another fight, but I think the guy interviewing him said, you're one of the most avoided fighters or something like that. And he was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, are you kidding me with with this nonsense? So, you know, uh, I guess I guess we just have to wait and see, though, with uh, to see if that, you know, the, the, the Brook fight gets made. Um, if it happens in the fall in Manchester, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, I, I love saving the big fights for the end of the year or, you know, beginning of beginning of autumn. But, uh, yeah, do you guys have anything else to add to that one? I don't. <laughs> no, yeah, I think I mean, it's not a All right, all right. Well, then, yeah. Before we move on to the fight preview, I want to remind our listeners that they can call in and talk to us at 657 383 That You can also tweet us your questions and comments uh, to at Split the Boxing, at MShep10, or 757-VIC, and we will read those tweets on the air and answer any of your questions or comments um, as we go along. Um, but while we wait for those to come in, guys, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, preview for next weekend. Uh, over on HBO, we've got uh, Danny Jacobs fighting, uh, I can't say his first name, uh, Sulecki mm-hmm. in a 12-round uh, WBA middleweight title eliminator fight. Um, uh, I think that this is pretty much a showcase for Daniel Jacobs. Um, and I don't know why he needs a second showcase or tune-up. Um, it's not well, like Golovkin beat the living shit out of the guy or anything. Yeah, I but he didn't, like, finish Arias or anything like that. So I guess mm-hmm. if you're trying to market him to be a monster, you need to do this off of him having a really good victory. And the Arias fight was not that. It wasn't a good fight. Mm-hmm. He didn't... He got like a fake knockdown on Ari, so he didn't even really drop him. He didn't finish right. him. So I can see why they're doing this, but it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say, do you think do you think that uh, Jacobs is taking the path of least resistance, or is this really kind of a confidence or a builder or kind of a like a true tune-up fight? I guess it's probably just a confidence builder. I don't know what they're doing, man. Jacobs has never actually taken that many tough fights before. It's really just Golovkin well, and, and, I guess, Quillen. And, and yeah. aside from and that, Quill- there's nothing there. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, where where you? How do you feel about uh, Danny Jacobs, Michael, and, and this matchup? I think he's taken on that Selecki. He's a good fighter. Who's normally campaigned at 154 pounds. Uh, he has a middleweight win over um, that Hugo Santana, who obviously uh, Charlo just fought. Um, I think they fought at 154 too. I don't think they fought at yeah, middleweight. Yeah, kind of. He's kind of obviously campaigning at a different weight now. Um, Daniel Jacobs should win. I don't, I'm kind of the same as Victor just said. I'm not too sure why he's fighting. Uh, kind of like another tune-up type fight because he, he fought Lucas Arias a while ago. That wasn't a great fight. Arias didn't really come to fight. So hopefully this one's going to be a little bit better. But it's, it's, in a way, I would say he probably would have been better just waiting for a better fight because his stock's actually starting sure. to deplete a little bit. Yeah. He, yeah. Doesn't yeah. he doesn't look good in this fight. He's actually going backwards. Mm-hmm. No, I that's that's an excellent point, man. Um, yeah, I I get I guess we'll know what this fight is all about uh, when he announces his next fight and we know who the opponent is. I think that will will really tell the story uh, because if Jacobs doesn't step it up in the next fight, uh, especially if it's you know he makes short work of Sulecki, which I'm expecting him to do, um, I. I, you know, then I think it, then I think it will be safe, at least on my part, to say that Jacobs is taking the path of least resistance because, like you said, Victor, outside of Golovkin and the Quillen fight, he hasn't really taken any risks or had, you know, he doesn't have anything on his resume that says this guy is, you know, the man or or one of the men. You know what I mean? That you've, you know, you've got to watch out for this monster. He's just a good middleweight. You know what I mean? Um, how do you guys see the fight playing out? Well, Selecki is a natural middleweight, but Danny Jacobs is big as fuck. I think size is definitely <laughs> going to be a factor here. Selecki's not used to dealing with guys this size at this level. Mm-hmm. I expect Jacobs to win probably by knockout. Selecki didn't look too yeah. good against Colke at all to me. In the later rounds, he couldn't really deal with Colke's speed. I mean, Colke's obviously a whole lot faster than Jacobs, but he was having too much of a problem there, you know. I just don't think he has anything for Jacobs. But Selecki is arguably top five and one fifty four, but I just don't like this fight. I don't like the idea of anybody as big as Jacobs bringing somebody up from a smaller weight class at all. That's a huge problem I have. Yeah, I so I don't always have a problem with that. It dep- it depends, I guess, on the fight and the fighters involved, but in this case, uh you know, he fought Arias last, and he didn't look great. He didn't. He wasn't impressive in that fight. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know why this one's happening. Um, how do you see it playing out, Michael? Either I think Jacobs will win either a late stoppage, maybe going the full twelve. Wow. Selecki's never been stopped. Well, Selecki's never been stopped. Um, actually, like Victor said, I think. Jacobs is actually a little bit smaller than Selecki. Selecki's supposed to be about six foot one. I think Jacobs is five eleven. But, yeah. But Jacobs yeah. does, does no, he, hydrate. Selecki like, is shorter. Huge. Yeah, he's shorter. I don't think he's bigger than Jacobs though. I like their frame. He's, I'm pretty sure Jacobs is bigger. Yeah, Selecki is Selecki is six one. I'm not sure how tall Danny Jacobs is, but uh, I believe he's, he's like a tank. Like yeah, he's either okay. five eleven. He's a big. Or he's, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a cruiserweight. <laughs> he's a yeah, he's, he's another one that you wonder how he manages to campaign at that weight because he always looks huge. Right, Jacobs. right, right. 
Well, mm, yeah, I kind of think I, I, I'm with Victor on this one, Michael. I think that uh, Jacobs will stop Sulecki. Uh, I'm not sure at what point in the fight that happens. Um, but I kind of, I kind of just, I have this hunch that he's gonna, he's gonna do to Selecki what he did to, to Quillen, where he's gonna maybe get him to open up a bit and then just kind of let loose with one of those sloppy flurries and end up catching Selecki with something. But um, I don't think it'll be an early blowout or anything like that. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully after this, you know, provided Jacobs wins, uh, there's a there's a step up in in terms of competition because, I mean. Like you said, Michael, you know, Stock and Victor, you both of you guys, you know, stocks is stocks going down. He's kind of moving backwards. Um, you know, he he turned in a decent performance against, you know, the best middleweight in the world, and then, you know, obviously, okay, you take one tune up, and then you take two, but against Selecki, and I just kind of, I want to, I want to see some, you know, just like the, uh, you know, I would love to see a Charlo fight or a Saunders fight or, you know. I would even, even though he he stunk the joint out in his last fight, I would love to watch Jacobs fight like someone like David Lemieux. You know what I mean? Just just for the the possible action and violence involved in mm-hmm. that one. But uh, um, I mean, ideally, who would you guys want to see Jacobs fight after this? Charlo, no Charlo, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I, I don't yeah, think it's was... going to happen, but <laughs> Charlo would be nice, but. Uh, before Selecki, there was talk of him fighting uh, Spike O'Sullivan. Oh, okay. yeah. No, huge, huge step up in class. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, didn't I don't uh, know if Jacobs uh, is ready for O'Sullivan, man. I don't know. <laughs> Have that Golovkin fight. You, you never know. <laughs> that's, that's a huge risk. You go from Golovkin to fucking Sullivan. That yeah. Yeah. making big moves out now. Yeah, I just I don't understand I don't understand the you know the selection process and in in you know making this this fight for Jacobs. But uh, like I said again, and not to be a broken record, the next fight Jacobs next fight after Selecki will I think will tell the you know the story uh, more or less. Um, now there's also another fight uh, guys, and uh, I'm not sure what network that's on. I forgot to write that down. That's my bad. Uh, but uh, Gerald Big Baby Miller. Uh, and Johan Duapas, am I saying that right, or is it Duhapas? Yeah. Duapas. I've always heard uh, that. Yeah, a couple of heavyweights are going to go twelve rounds in, a, in an eliminator. Um, now I'm expecting Miller to win this one probably by late stoppage or knockout. Um, I kind of I was looking at Duapas doing a little research and, and uh, on him, and uh, the first thing I noticed is he really hasn't beaten anyone with a pulse. Uh, when he did step up and fight. Uh, <laughs> On the level of Alexander Povetkin, uh, he got knocked out. So, oh no, um, that isn't really a fair fight because Duapas had like two days' notice, I think, one or two. It's a very late replacement. But but he was also knocked out by somebody I had never heard of until this morning, uh, Erkin Tepper or Teeper, and that was back yeah. in 2015. Um, he so also I don't got know... stopped by Wilder. He gave Wilder oh, a tough did... fight though. Wilder probably would have uh, anywhere else probably would have had that fight stopped because Wilder's eye was like closed shut. Right. Well, you know, you know what though. I mean, we, we you know we clown on Wilder a lot, <laughs> but because you know, he makes it easy. But yeah, I mean, getting knocked out by Wilder is I don't think is really anything to be ashamed of. You know, I'm not gonna, I won't hold that kind of knockout against anybody. But I don't think, I don't think. Well, I hold it against is, Wilder for getting beaten up like that. I hold it against well, Wilder. Well, yeah. Well, you yeah, know, no, no. We, yeah, but that ha- that's that's a very 
that's a very com- that's very commonplace in Wilder fights where you think, well, he's going to knock him out, but nobody talks about that he's going to lose every round before that knockout comes. You know what I mean? Or there's going to be some shaky moments. Um, but I, I don't think Duopas is going to be uh, is going to have what it takes to 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 hang in there with Miller at least at least you know all through twelve rounds. Um, how do you guys see it playing out? Yeah, Miller should win this. Miller doesn't have a lot of power, actually, at heavyweight, which is right. interesting. But I think he's yeah. still going to end up stopping him because, I mean, the work rate, I just don't see dual yeah. pass keeping up with this. Yep. yep, that's how I see it. What about you, Michael? Yeah, I agree. I think Miller will uh, Miller will get him out of there. I'm not too sure what round. Just, but it just depends whether that uh, whether the opponent comes to uh, comes to fight. Um this is one of Miller's first or second fight under the matchroom banner for, in America, because Eddie Hearns is obviously hoping that Miller wins so he can match him against Joshua sure. at yep. the Barclays Center later in the year, around fall time, I believe, because um, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to fight Wilder this year unless unless they manage to reach some kind of agreement, but it doesn't seem like it the way the rumors are going. Not unless everyone else in the division dies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. You know, they've probably picked this opponent to make Miller look good, and then sure. Miller gets the Joshua fight, another big payday for everybody. Yep. All right, well, I don't really have too much else to add to that one. Do you guys want to move on to uh, news and notes? Because we've got a lot to cover there. Uh, we've only got about 26 or 7 minutes left. Uh, are you guys good with that? Yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Um We'll start the news and notes uh, section um, with uh, it was broke. I think it was early last week. Uh, it broke that the WBO WBC Unified Cruiserweight Champion Alexander Usyk uh, sustained minor, minor elbow injury in training. Uh, was resulted in the World Box Super Series final against Mirak Asayev being postponed uh, until sometime this summer, uh, and it's obviously not happening in Saudi Arabia anymore. It's it's going to move to an as of yet undetermined uh, date and location um i gotta tell you guys um i thought i really believed and maybe it was it was just i being too optimistic but i thought because the cruiserweight tournament has been so exciting and has come off without a hitch up until that point i really thought with the final in in, in uh in June or May or June, and then uh, we'd just be done with it and say that was the greatest tournament we've ever seen. But now we are with this injury. So, uh, when do, Michael, when do you think the fight happens? Um, uh, so I'd say summertime. Uh, that's what they're talking about, and the rumor is they're going to be moving it to Russia. They've had an sure. investment oh. group offer them, offer them a lot, lot more money. Right. Uh, yeah, actually, Usyk said if that fight gets moved to Russia, he's not taking the fight. No, really? Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. Why? But given the nature of this tournament, guys, and, and its history, uh, the fights are usually, I mean, everything's been really fair. So I, I, I have a hard time seeing, you know, the people who, the, the, the brass who run, you know, run the tournament. Uh, I don't Sarland. think that it's just about the prospect of getting robbed in Russia. I think it's also the... Uh, the politics, like the actual government politics of Ukraine and Russia right now. Oh, okay. I think shit like that is what's concerning Usyk. Huh. That's interesting. I hadn't heard or read anything about that. Um, I know that Usyk had said he didn't want to fight in Russia and that that would be a problem for him. But um, I just, I, I think Cal Sarland will, 
we'll make sure that you know at least the track record says that he'll he'll make it as fair as possible you know even if they force it to go to Russia some they'll do something to coax Usyk into into fighting there but uh I tend to think it'll end up in some other location um what I've heard some rumblings about though is um there may be and this was a this is a long shot I I'm not I'm not suggesting that it's going to happen or that it's even likely, but there's been talk because of this delay that they'll put both of the final matches from both tournaments on one card. Um, I'm not terribly excited about Callum Smith versus George Groves just because I think Callum Smith is awful to watch. Um, and I, I don't think it, I think Groves will probably handle him um, for the most part. Um, but I think that if, if that were to happen, I think that would be a really good commercial for, you know, any any unannounced tournaments that might be coming down the road next year. Um, how would you guys feel about that? Would that be exciting to you or do you not care or? Hello. <laughs> want me to go? <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys, it's just a round table. Chime in whenever you want. <laughs> um, it'd be good to have them on the same day. Uh, I believe the other one's supposed to be June the 2nd at the O2 arena in London. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that'd be nice, you know, to have both finals on the same day. Um, I don't know what it'd be like for the, for the for them. Obviously, they're both neither of them are British, so it's yeah, kind of hard for their support to get there to, to obviously cheer on their whoever they want to win. Um, right. I, I thought this series, the World Boxing Super Series, has been pretty successful around the place. I like the way it's set out. It seems to be going pretty well, apart from until obviously the two injuries for the final with George Groves getting injured and then Usyk. Um, I believe they're doing some more. Light heavyweight was rumoured, and I think bantamweight has pretty much already been confirmed with quite a few British people, and um, even Tete is supposed to be in that one. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to the second series. Um, so, yeah, I think it'd be it'd be good. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Well, how about how about it, Victor? How, what about a like a like a split site uh, type of thing to to put both you know both of them on one card? Do you think that works? That'd be that'd be interesting. Yeah, I would really yeah. like to see that. I think it's probably it's going to sound bad, but it's probably a good thing that Usyk actually got injured because this helps Groves out because they were looking for a replacement for Groves, but. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, they were looking for a replacement for Groves, but they're not looking for a replacement for Usyk because, I mean, I you doubt can, they're going to replace Usyk anyway. And you <laughs> can't also just have one guy get a replacement and have the other guy not. So I think the fact that Usyk also got injured tells us that, like, Groves is definitely going to get more time now. I think that final definitely is going to happen between Groves and Calvin Smith now. There was a time they right. were like, all right, we might have to get a replacement here. But since this is happening, I think they're like, all right, fuck it, we're just going to have to wait now since both guys right. got injured. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, the the super middleweight tournament has been a lot less entertaining than than the cruiserweight tournament, uh, just because of some of the talent involved, but uh, or the talent not involved, I should say. But well, um, I kind of disagree with you. I mean, I feel like the matches have been more entertaining on the cruiserweight side, but the there's more drama in the super middleweight one. I don't know who's actually going to win. I didn't know who was going to win between Eubank and Groves. I wasn't confident sure. in my pick there. I picked Groves, but I wasn't like super confident in it. I was confident for all the cruiserweight matches so far. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I've stated it before on the air, and you know how I feel about the, I mean, both tournaments. I love both of them. Uh, the, I just think that, I just happen to think the 200-pound tournament is kind of like in the stratosphere where the 168-pound where the tournament is, 
you know, a little, a little bit lower on, on the, you know, on the, on the scale, I guess. But it's still been, there's still been a storyline to follow. It's still been good matchups. You know, there's, there's some drama there, and you know, some things going on. I just, I, I it just kind of, it still bothers me that, you know, some of the guys at 168 that I wanted to see there weren't, you know, weren't there for, for whatever reason. And I know there were a lot of different reasons, but uh, yeah. yeah, I would love, I would love to see both tournaments conclude on the same day on the same card. Um, but like Michael was saying, you know, I don't think they could stick a, a Ukrainian and a Russian, you know, in the O2 arena and expect, you know, it to sell as well as they would over, you know, in, in somewhere else. So um, if it happens that way, it would definitely, I think it would definitely have to be split site. And I think that's, that's what they would, they would aim for. Um, but whether that happens or not remains to be seen. Um, now the, uh, the next bit of news um, actually covered that, so I want to I want to jump down and uh, we were kind of horsing around uh, prior to coming on the air, Victor and I, and uh, uh, we joked about creating a segment segment called "quote unquote Ask Victor," um, and I don't yet have the segue music for that, uh, but there were some things that Victor wanted to, to cover, uh, so uh, Victor, I'll let you handle it, and then Michael and I can chime in uh, when when you know when you get done ranting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me go ahead and look at my own notes here because I actually forgot was the thing I wanted to we discuss kinda, we, first. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you want me to get you started while you get the rest of the yes. notes up? Yeah. All right. Uh, the first one you sent me says, uh, and these are Victor's words, not my own. Quote: "The bullshit of the existence of the existence of a super title." End quote. Oh yeah, the super super title. Yeah, like yeah, you super, can't super, just sorry. Make- yeah, you can't just make up a belt when you already have too many belts and you're already talking about like, oh, we have so many belts. We're going to try to get rid of them, consolidate the belts. And then you make up a new title just to give it to Javante Davis over Machado when Machado, like, what the fuck was even the point of that? Like, how do you right. even do that? That makes no sense at all. <laughs> it's complete disrespect to Machado as well, if I'm even saying his name correctly. Like, he beats Corrales and then you're like, all right, so although you beat the guy... Doesn't matter because we're going to give that title to someone else. Well, not even that title, but like we're going to make a new title that's higher than your title, even though you beat the guy to actually deserve your title. Like dumb as shit. I'm disgusted. I'm actually very <laughs> upset about that. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Michael? Yeah, I agree. There's too many titles. Like I said before, I don't mind it when they bring out an interim one when somebody's injured or sure. <laughs> I, the, the only thing is, is I can see why sometimes they have so many when you get people like. Donnie Stevenson that just hold them hostage, um, you know, claim they're injured, pay people off. So I can see sometimes mm-hmm. why they have so many, but I, I don't know. It's kind of strange that they just keep make up super titles, Emerald titles, Emeritus, or whatever it was before, <laughs> Diamond, Diamond Champion, and stuff like that. Yep, I'm I'm with you guys. I the I especially I'm with Victor on this one. It it, it pisses me off. Uh, probably more than maybe more than it should, but that you know because because I have so much love and, and and respect for the sport, it's one of those things where it's like I don't want I I don't want the one sport that I care about to be so convoluted that it's it, that it's difficult for guys like us to follow and impossible for casual you know viewers uh, to follow because and it turns a lot of people off too. The, boxing could could make more fans out of non fans, you know. If they just had, if they if it functioned like other sports, where you knew eventually these two guys or these four guys, 
you know, are, are going to meet at some, you know, in some kind of mini tournament or something at the end of the year. And there's going to be one champion moving forward until the next, you know, until the next thing comes around. But uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a load of horse shit. Uh, but again, and I said it earlier in the show, uh, you know, the reason they have all these titles and they create all these titles uh, is because they get sanctioning fees, you know, and, and fighters want the titles because they say, Hey, I've got the, you know, the super, super international, uh, you know, continental mega title or mega championship from the IBO and, you know, whatever it is. And it makes, maybe it makes them feel special or it helps them get, you know, a, a bigger payday or, or the fight that they really want or, you know, gets them perks or favors. But I, I can't stand this shit. I've never, I, I don't even like having four champions in a division. I like having, you know, if if we had just, two titleists in every division and they came together like in a Super Bowl or a final or something, you know, every once in a while, that would be so fucking awesome. But that's, you know, that's not the, that's not the boxing world we live in. We've got, you know, it's, it's fractured. And I think with all these titles guys, I think it, I think it further fractures the sport because, you know, we've already got networks keeping fights from happening. Promoters don't want to work together. Fighters don't want to work with certain networks or promoters and, all the all the other red tape and, 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 you know, bureaucratic bullshit that goes on behind closed doors, you know, it makes, it slows the sport, it retards it, uh, you know, it makes it, it makes it way too complicated. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, anything else on that, Victor? About the title situation? Uh, yeah. Pretty much covered yeah. everything there. Okay. I mean, uh, do you have your, do you have your notes up? Yeah, yep. I found it. <laughs> okay, go for okay, it, man. So- go for it. Boxing seems to be making a push for women's boxing right now, which is interesting to me because Katie Taylor is on the undercard for the Miller fight on HBO and the Jacobs fight. That's the same thing. And mm-hmm. I haven't actually seen that. And can you even recall seeing that where they have like a women's fight like this high up on like this type of profile setting? Uh, Not offhand. No. And I think you're right. I did. There has been a bigger push, especially the last couple of years. I've noticed the women fighting more and more. Um, and when I went to uh, the Koto Kamagai fight and Superfly one uh, at the end of last year and last summer, uh, there were there were a number of women fighting on the on the uh, untelevised undercard too. So uh, I didn't expect to see that, but that was there. Um, now, are you are you super into women's boxing? Or, or is it just you'll, you'll consume boxing no matter who's in there? I've actually never sat back and watched a female boxer before. But Really? Yeah, I have never actually seen one of them fight before. I don't like watching women fight. It feels weird to me. Uh-oh, you're going to trigger somebody, dude. Be careful. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm protective of women. I don't want to see somebody just, like, get beat up and have a busted-ass nose and, like, black eyes and shit. I mean, yeah. It makes me feel weird. I don't want to see that. But, yeah, they're making a push for it. It's interesting, like... Probably a year or two ago, I would probably have no idea who Clarissa Shields was, but now I know who she is. I know who Katie Taylor is. I've never seen her box, but I mean, she's on the undercard of an HBO fight. I'll probably end up watching her box next week. So we'll see. It's interesting to me that we're at this point right now in boxing. I think the success of the women's divisions and UFC are actually helping it. It's like boxing. Oh, so people care when women fight. Let's see if we can market this, you know, because, you know, Ronda Rousey did pretty well. Right now, uh, Johanna, you and Jacek, these are MMA people. She's doing pretty well. Rose is doing pretty well right now. So, like, okay, let's see if we can tap into this market in boxing because it works for MMA. That's what I think is happening. Yep. Uh, I think you're right. 
Um, I'm of the opinion, I, I don't really give a shit who's in the ring, um, as long as they're exciting to watch. I even, I don't even really care what their skill or talent level is. I just want to see good matchmaking. You know, I don't care what you got swinging between your legs or what isn't swinging. I just, you know, I want to see good fights and yeah. I want to see, I want to see, that's again, uh, why I like the, the, the World Boxing Super Series so much. And they even when I'm going way back to the, uh, the Super Six on Showtime, I love that too, because there's the storylines to follow and stuff. So if, you know, if bringing, you know, making a, a push, for women's boxing brings uh, more more boxing for us to watch. That's exciting. I'm all for it. I don't really care again who's in there. I just I just want to see good fights. Um, uh, what about you, Michael? How do you feel about all that? Um, I've seen a few women uh, fighting because in, on matchroom boxing they've been pushing um, Katie Taylor for a while, and also uh, mm-hmm. Natasha Jonas. She fought yesterday on the undercard of the Amir Khan fight. I don't know if you guys saw that. She um she won the WBA International Female Super Featherweight title. That's for you, Victor, the super. Um, <laughs> and then obviously Clarissa Shields. She's obviously been fighting obviously uh, over here. Um, I saw what's her first name, um, Maya, um, the American lady. She fought at the uh, Stub Hub when I was there. I forget her okay. first name. Mm-hmm. No, I know uh, you're talking about yeah, the uh, first lady of boxing or whatever. Yeah, I agree with what you said. I think it's come about from the UFC taking off with Ronda Rousey um, getting pretty big. So it's good. I mean, I'm all for it. Some, there's some good fights to be had. Uh, the um, the undisputed champion uh, Cecilia Bracus. The uh, she's going to oh, be. Oh, that's what I was talking the, about. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to be on, on the undercard of the uh, Triple G fight, I believe, on May the 5th at StubHub. I think she's there. Oh, I think really? she's That's interesting. Yeah, she's uh, just below the uh, big two fights before Triple G. So that should be good to see. I'll hopefully try and get to that. Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> well I guess that's all we have to say about women's boxing. Uh, what else yeah, do you have, Victor? I don't follow it enough to like have good opinions on that one, but it is interesting yeah. to me that they're even doing this right now. We're going to see what this yeah. turns into, I guess, in yeah. I don't know, maybe a year or two. Well, yeah, I mean, if if they if the women are fighting consistently and you know the, these women start to develop a following and there's some drama and some storylines there, you know, something to follow up, you know, whatever, keep it coming, you know. Gold yeah, seems to be pushing it with them. Um, they've got the Marlon Esprada, the ex Olympian. Uh, Oh yeah, Maris yeah. Yeah, she, okay. she she headlined uh, about a Belasco Theater a few weeks ago, um, and Ooh. also uh, they seem to be pushing. Is it? I can't pronounce the last name. Maricela Carnio. Um, she was the WBC champion uh, middleweight, I believe, and she headlined event uh, a couple of months ago in uh, at the Hangar Costa Mesa. So mm-hmm. Golden Boy, you know, they're local to us. Um, they seem to be pushing it. Hmm. I lied by accident. I did see like a Sparaza fighter, whatever her name is. I saw her fight one time. It actually wasn't that bad of a fight. Like, she's not yeah. impressive to me, but it wasn't a terrible fight to watch. She fought not too long ago, a couple of months ago at the uh, at Belasco. That might have been the one you've seen. She's an Probably. ex-Olympian, I believe. Huh. I'm just looking to this. <laughs> We're going to see next week how I feel about this Katie Taylor fight. 
<laughs> I think she was like, the first American woman to qualify for the Olympics or something like that. She won a bronze medal in like, 2012. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So last thing I had on my list. What do you guys think about the current state of the middleweight division? We kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about Jamal Charlo, but how do you guys see this division right now? Michael, I'll let you go first. Um, There's people in there, I think. It's just trying to get them to fight like we were kind of touching on before. It would be great if we could get all of those guys into like a World Boxing Super Series and make sure they all fight each other. You know, that would be a like a dream for the us. A dream, yeah. Um, you know, we've got I mean, just listen listen to the names. You've got Canelo, Triple G, Charlo, Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, Andrade, Morata, Devichenko, um, Lemieux. Uh, that's that's nine just there that I'd love to see all do yeah. around Robin and fight each other in a perfect mm-hmm. world. Um <sighs> well, will they? Probably not. <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, probably. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, definitely not. I, I would put money on that. Um, just to get a few of the big guys to fight each other, Charlo to fight Golovkin next would be nice. Triple G to fight Canelo, which we're, which we're definitely going to see in September. Um, there's people there. Will they fight each other? I wouldn't have thought so. so don't really know what else to say apart from that. Well. Uh, what do I think of the middleweight division right now? Or what do I make of it? Um, I like it a lot. It's, I, I think there's, I don't know that it's the deepest or most talented division at the moment, but there's a lot of names there. There's some, obviously we got veterans like, like Golovkin and stuff that are sitting at the top of the mountain. Um, but we've got guys like Charlo that, that might, might be the next big thing or might be a real threat. Um, Jacobs is still floating around there. If, if he ever decides to step it back up, you know, and, and fight tough. Um, yeah, uh, all the guys that, that, uh, Michael, you know, rattled off. I, you know, I would love to see everybody fight everybody. Um, I don't really give two shits about Golovkin versus Canelo too. Um, even before Canelo pissed hot. It's one of those things for me where I, 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 the first fight was eight to four for me, and some people sitting next to me, Mexicans, mind you, had it nine three for Golovkin. So there's no, uh, you know, maybe Golovkin, outside of the money, wants to settle the score, you know, but unless he can knock Canelo out, he's not going to get the win. Uh, not in Vegas, not a, you know, with Golden Boy and Bob Bennett and all those fucking people behind Canelo, no way. You know what I mean? So. That fight, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it obviously because I love Golovkin and and uh, you know I I have to do the, I have to watch fights to do this show. But um, outside of that, I, I mean, there's a lot of good fights to be made. I think it's kind of a a frustrating scenario, Victor, because uh, a lot of those fights are never going to get made. You know what I mean? The the, the inactivity a lot of the, that a lot of these guys have, even Golovkin now, you know, he's a twice a year fighter at best. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, there's, there's so much that could happen there that, but that probably won't. So, um, it's definitely a, a division to, to keep your eye on and to, and to hope good, you know, that has a lot of potential, but I don't know how much good will come out of that hope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For me right That's, now, I think it is my second favorite division 
it might be the second most talent stacked division in boxing right now with light heavyweight being the best to me. There's mm-hmm. so many good fighters here. I think we're going to get to a point soon where they're going to have to fight each other. Because like I was saying about the Charlotte thing, you need to separate yourself from the other guys. I really think that Golovkin's either going to move up soon or retire soon. And once that happens, the only thing left for these guys to do is just maintain supremacy is to fight each other. So I'm pretty sure we're going to hit a point where it's going to be like a vacuum and they're going to have to just fight each other. They have to. Yeah. I, I could see that happening. I, I just hope it does. Um, let me ask you, Victor, do you think mm-hmm. that if, let's say, let's, let's go with a, with the worst case scenario for Golovkin. Let's say, uh, when the rematch happens in September, Golovkin gets knocked out, like saying two or three rounds by Canelo. Okay. Do you think you do you think he would stick around and try to rebuild at 168, or do you think he would just kind of like poof, like fade off into you know into the the sunset there? I think if Golovkin gets destroyed like that, he might just retire. I mean, 36 that would take a whole lot out of you. Yeah. I don't see him continuing on if something like that happens. I don't think that's going to happen, but no, no. Once no, that no. happens, I I don't see him sticking around in boxing after that. Yeah. How about you, Michael? I agree. I I think uh, if he starts to fade, I think he'll probably go. He's, he's probably earned enough money now that he's going to be maybe just one, two defeats away from just packing it up and going yeah. up. When you've been undefeated, when you've been undefeated for so long, I can imagine you know taking a defeat at that. At that age, thirty six, thirty seven, whatever he is now, uh, not much real point staying behind. He's he's done what he wanted to do pretty much. If he manages to beat Canelo, he's going to unify that division. There's nowhere else really to go from there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I don't think it'll uh, if it ends up for uh, Golovkin in September or at any point in time, you know, in the near future. I think he would definitely probably hang up and walk away. I think he's at that. He's had the kind of career too, where uh, even if he doesn't end up in the Hall of Fame, that he's probably going to get uh, some kind of job. You know what I mean? Uh, working working within the sport. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we got to wait and see with that as well. Um, we've got about three minutes left in the show. Was there anything either of you guys wanted to talk about, or uh, should I just wrap it up? We actually didn't discuss the Canelo Alvarez suspension at all. Ah shit. Oh, you want to do that on three minutes? <laughs> Shit. Well, I mean, and I, was, I said that not being angry with you, Victor. I just can't believe yeah. I forgot to include that. So, <laughs> um, uh, let, we, why don't we do that on the next show? Um, we can all chime in real quick um, and give give like a one or two two-word thought on it. I thought it was bullshit uh, and corruption yeah. at play. Uh, what did you guys think? Yes. No, that's exactly what it was. Also, they should just fucking release the footage of what they did in that – court hearing or whatever i would love to yeah. see what actually happened there well you you know what i and i want to i want to get your take on it real quick mike because we've got two and a half minutes you know what i'd like to see guys is uh the wbc and and the nevada athletic state commission keep you know especially the wbc keep professing that or keep asserting that canelo isn't guilty of cheating or you know there was no intent to cheat in that 18 meeting that they have evidence to show that well make that fucking shit public guys make that shit public so that the guys like the three of us can 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 move on like we, with our boxing lives and say you know what uh, it was an accident it was a mistake but i i, I hate i hate it when people oh it was uh, he's innocent he can't possibly be guilty and i have evidence that's why I know, uh, that's why i'm saying this well fucking show it put up or shut up you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh mike uh, did you want to add anything to this before i sign off 
No, like you said, two words. Mine would be as expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect, man. That's perfect. So uh, with that, we'll wrap it up, guys. Um, I'll make sure to put a note down right now or right after I sign off uh, to talk uh, in great detail about the Canelo suspension on that whole mess over there. Um, But that'll do it for episode 21 of the Loaded Gloves Boxing Podcast. Uh, If you liked what you heard today, you can follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash split D boxing. You can follow me on Twitter at at split D boxing, Michael at M Shep 10 and Victor at seven, five, seven Vic. You can also visit the split D boxing.com website. And if you are so inclined to do so, uh, you can support the Split D Boxing Network on patreon.com forward slash Split D Boxing. So until next week and episode 22 of the show, uh, this is your host, Scott Jarvis, saying see you then. Who's gonna bust your chops now?